0: to the final message of our series Intimacy with the Father and as we end our series I want us to look at the heart of godly fathering but before that I want us to I just want to appreciate the fathers the parents who are here I want to appreciate you because you are doing a great work you are working at the background you are most of the time sacrificing without receiving much appreciation. You are exerting effort, but at the same time, you need to also to take care of yourselves as you take care of your children. And I just want to affirm you and appreciate you for your love and sacrifice. Know that your work is not hidden. And in terms of God's perspective, God sees every tear, every sweat, every prayer, every desire, and so I just want to encourage you with that, and I hope and pray that as we end our series, we will learn and we would be encouraged, and today we will look at the heart of godly fathering. Now, why is this important? This is important because, as I said, parenting is hard, and especially you, you have been a parent for many, many years, and you see, you experience the ups and downs, the highs and lows. But then, when you go through that journey, most of the time, you will find it difficult, you will find it discouraging, and there will be times you wanted to quit. Kung pwede mo lang <laughs> yung anak mo, gagawin mo, But the heart of godly fathering will enable us to see and motivate us, say, hey, we can move on, we can do this, we can go further ahead. And so I invite you to, to journey with me and let's listen to what God is saying. And before that, let's just come to the Lord and ask his guidance. Heavenly Father, be a father to us, parent us with your word, and let the word of Christ sanctify our hearts, ignite and revive our hearts, O Lord, so that we can be faithful to the calling that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We look at our calling, our commission, our challenge, our comfort, and our choice. Let's take a review in, of our calling. At the start of this series, we looked at this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.20. So then we are ambassadors for Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. But before that, let me step back. Today, as we discuss about the heart of godly fathering, this is the main lesson that I want us to remember. The heart of godly fathering begins with resting in Jesus' promise that he is with us. And to rest in Jesus is to walk with him and work with him as we parent and disciple our children. That's the heart of godly fathering. It begins with resting. And to rest is to walk with Jesus and work with him in our fathering and parenting. So let's review. Our calling is to be ambassadors for christ that's in second corinthians 5 20. so then we are ambassadors for christ we are not the owners of our children we do not own them but we only represent god in their lives and so therefore as parents this is our duty our calling parenting is not about making our children our personal trophies or to display our egos It's not to use our children so that we can live our dreams sa buhay nila. It's not to use our children for our own gain, our own ego, but it's being God's ambassadors and instruments so that we can help our children live God's purpose and plan in their lives. And that is to help our children grow and mature and become more like Christ. And in the last weeks, we have discussed and learned about how to be God's ambassadors to our children. Do you remember our lesson after that? It's about exercising Godly authority in humility, submission, and sacrifice. That was, we learned that from Pastor Nathan. And then we also learned from Pastor Renz to live out the gospel by being willful and determined father, focusing on the cross, living through the lens of the cross, and living out the gospel in our family, and then Reverend Mike helped us to go through learning about exercising tough love through discipline. And so as we end this series, let's look at another passage that complements our calling and that is found in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I know this is a very familiar passage to everyone, but let me read this to you. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. I am always with you. That is the promise of Christ. See, this is the great commission that Christ gave to his disciples. This is the last words that Jesus spoke before he went up to heaven. This is the marching orders that the King of Kings gave to his followers. And this is also the summary of what God wants us to do. As ambassadors, God calls us to this sacred task. Now this passage is normally used in terms of encouraging people to make disciples and go on missions. It's good, but sometimes it's quite rare to be used in the context of parenting. But if you think about it, it, this also applies to our parenting and it gives us a clue of As our specific tasks, as ambassadors, what are we supposed to do? And this is what we learn here in this passage. Our commission, this is something, a specific task that God gives us. Let's look again at the passage. And there's only one command here. It's make disciples. That's the main verb. It's to make disciples. Can you say that with me? Make disciples. One more time. Make disciples. Disciples. You see, there's that one command, and as fathers, as parents, that is our ultimate job description. And our role is to help our children become disciples of Christ. Now, you may ask, what is a disciple? Simply put, a disciple is a follower. The father and mother follow Jesus, they help their kids follow the Lord. It's like what the apostle said Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Discipleship is about following. Jesus is our master, and we are his servants, so we follow and we obey. Jesus is our teacher, and we are his students, so we learn from him and obey him. And that, that, that is far more important to our children than what they earn, than what they learn from school. It's far more essential in how well they do in their sports or arts or work or finances. The ultimate Goal should be to become, a to become a disciple of Christ. And I like what Pastor Peter Tanchi would always say, discipleship begins at home. Discipleship begins at home. So parents, dear fathers, we here in the church, we are just here to support and assist you. We are not here to uh, replace you, but we are here to help you, to equip you, so that you can be better in making disciples of your children. It is your primary goal. We are here only to help you and, by God's grace, enable you to do that. Now, what are the tasks involved in making disciples? There are two phases in making disciples. And the first is evangelism. In verse 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what we desire. This is what we want. We want to win our children for Christ. We want to see them repent of their sins and come to that saving faith of the knowledge of God and eventually to be baptized and publicly declare their commitment to God. That is the first phase of making disciples. But that is just a start. The second is edification. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You know, the Christian life is not just, it is not a ticket out of hell and just a ticket to go to heaven. Yes, evangelism is important, but there's that second part, which is edification, to teach them to obey everything. Why? Because our calling is to help our children to become more and more like Christ. They need to learn the way of Jesus. They need to impart to themselves the truth of Christ and live the life of Christ. And notice what it says here, teaching them. For what purpose? To obey. It is not about teaching them just to memorize and do things. It's not just teach them, oh, go to church, do this, or do that, do, do this Christian stuff, but teach them to obey, to obey Christ and live out for him. And these are the two tasks of discipleship. So remember, to make disciples is to evangelize and then to edify. Now, if you think about your life, What are the things that have you um, tried already in your family? Have you tried to evangelize your child? Have you tried to edify your kid? If not yet, I pray that God will give you the opportunity and the empowerment to do so. But more importantly, you yourself, you need to experience this first. You need to experience Christ in your life. You need to be edified as well. Now this is the two tasks of discipleship, but then it won't be easy, because here is our challenge. As we desire for our kids to, be, to grow in likeness, we will have these challenges. Number one, our children are born sinners. I'm sorry to say this, yes, babies are cute, we want to cuddle them, we want to play with them, but in reality, deep in their hearts, there, it's, it's a potential monster. It's a, uh, we have mo kang angel, no? but eventually after a few years, it will become uh, something else. Yeah? And so we need, to have, we need to be realistic. Because if we are not realistic about this, we will, oh, my child is so good. And then when your child becomes naughty, either you will be disappointed so much with them or you'll be disappointed with yourself. Because you're setting up yourself for failure because you are not aware of this reality. Because whether we like it or not, our children will lie, will steal, kahit na hindi natin sila turuan. Ka, no? sa bahay. An- what did you say? Why did you lie or what, why did you curse? Because it's natural for our children to be that. You see, in, our, in the heart of our children, there's something, there's sin in them that, that draws them away from God, that pulls them away from God and draws them into the world. And that is why parenting is so messy and difficult. And not only that, our kids, their tendency is to reject God, reject what is good, to rebel against Him, and to resist our authority. Now, think about it. If you're Kid is small, okay lang sa ngayon, nadadala mo sila sa church because they're small, eh? you'll you'll carry them. But eventually, if they are teenagers, they have their own schedule, they would start to say no. They would start to say, oh, I'm sorry, I have my schedule, I won't do that. That is the reality. Our children have this this disposition to sin. And next, we are also more like our children than unlike them. We can be spiritually blind. The Bible says, those who are not yet in Christ, we are spiritually blind. But even if we are already in Christ, there's the tendency to be spiritually blind because sin is still present in us. And if we are not careful, we will live in this spiritual blindness. And like our children, our children are, they would be, they, they could be unkind and ungrateful. And that is the same thing for all of us. We can be unkind. We can be ungrateful and slow to learn. You know, I was uh, I was reflecting on this. Uh, my wife and I were teaching our two nieces, but I I, I realized that I I struggle with my temper. I struggle with uh, disobedience as well. When I when when I tell my our, our kids, you know, oh, it's dinner time, go down. Then they won't go. They won't come down immediately, and somehow I would get angry or somehow I would get angry inside me. But then sometimes I realize I, I'm also prone to this. When I'm doing something, I'm working, my wife will tell me, Han, let's eating time or if actually my kids, my kids, they will call us, oh daddy, it's eating time. And I say, okay, then it will take me 10 to 15 minutes to go uh, before I go down. So there's also that, uh, that tendency for me to be disobedient, to be self-centered, to be unkind like them. And that is our challenge. Now, here's another one. We do not have the power to change our children. It means that we cannot turn our children and make them disciples of Jesus. It would be easy. Think about it, wouldn't it be great if you just download the file, put it in your kid's brain and everything. Oh, these are the good things, download, delete all the negative ones. That would be very nice, that would be convenient. But it doesn't work that way. You see, we do not have the power to change our kids. Yes, we would want to share the gospel to them, but there's no guarantee that they will respond and embrace God. We can send them to the best Christian school, to the best church, we can send them to the best Christian community, but there's no guarantee that they will embrace Christ in their lives. I'm not sure if you heard the story of this well-known New Testament scholar and theologian pastor and award-winning author, John Piper. His five children grew up in their homes and taught. they learned biblical values, but sadly his son, Abraham Piper, walked away from the Christian faith. At the age of 19, he was excommunicated. And after that, at present, Abraham is created a following in TikTok using his platform to even speak against the gospel message that his father preaches. His father uh, founded this uh, organization, Desiring God. But then Abraham Piper uh, has founded his own following of undesiring God. You see, that's the reality of life. We really cannot force our children to embrace God. We may be fully devoted. You may be faithful in your walk, but there's no guarantee that your kids will follow Now here's the question that you might be asking. So pastor, what's the point of discipling our children? Is there hope for us? There's, it it doesn't make sense. We are exerting this effort, but then there's no guarantee. But this is my answer to you. This is God's answer for us. There is hope, there is comfort. And that brings us to verse 18 to 19 of Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Look carefully before Jesus called his disciples and us to this difficult task of making disciples. He started by comforting us with his words. He said, all authority has been given to me. So what does it mean? It means that Christ is in charge. It means Christ is the one sitting on the throne It means Christ is in complete control, and that is the good news. No matter what happens in our lives, no matter what you go through, Christ is in control. We may not have the ability to change our children, but Christ has the power to do so. You may feel helpless and hopeless in parenting, but Christ can transform their hearts and turn things around. And this applies also to you leaders, you may not be fathers, but you may be fathering spiritual children. And this is the reality. This is the hope that we have that Christ is in control. And here's another one. And actually, this is a beautiful promise that sandwiched the call to make disciples. At the start, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And he ended with this uh, promise. Jesus is with us, surely I am with you always. That's a beautiful promise of God. That is Emmanuel, God with us. As parents, we experience things, the responsibilities, it goes beyond our limits, our wisdom and strength. But here's our comfort, God will never ask us to do anything without going with us. You see, as I was, uh, as I was thinking through this phrase, is it really the case? Then somehow the Lord invited me, look at the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In the Bible it says explicitly or indirectly, the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was with Moses, and just as the Lord was with Moses, so the Lord was with Joshua, and even Caleb, and even Gideon, and even David. So, these are the stories of God's people. God gave them a specific task in different contexts of their lives. But God assured them of his promise I am with you. I will be with you. Don't be afraid, be strong and courageous. And that is the same for you today, dear church. Jesus is telling you, I am with you. I am with you. How often? Always. Until when? Until the end of the age. I am with you always to the very end. That's the love of Christ. That's the faithfulness of God. So parents and fathers, here's what we need to remind of ourselves. God's greatest gift to us is himself. This is the truth that we need to remind ourselves. When you're already tired of correcting and discipling your kids, remember, you are not alone. Jesus is with you. When you're already exhausted from breaking up the 10th fight of the day of your children, you are not alone. Jesus is with you. When you're overwhelmed with the demands of caring for your sick child, not knowing when he or she will recover, you are not alone. When when you're struggling to attend to the special needs of your child because he or she has a special need, Jesus is with you. When you're disappointed because your daughter disrespects you, or when you are hurting because your teenage son rebels against you and he goes astray, you are not alone. Jesus is with you. In the midst of your worry, and fearfulness because of misopportunities for your children, you're afraid what the future will bring, or when you're brokenhearted because your child loves the world and he or she rejects God, you are not alone. Christ is with you. And especially if you have regrets in your life because of what you think you failed to do, or if you feel guilty because of what you have done, remember, you are not alone. Christ is with you. You see, Christ is with us in our weaknesses, in our struggles, in our pain, especially as we parent our kids. And this is the gift of God. This is the blessing of God. His mercies are new every morning to us. So I hope and pray that you will remember this. And this is something uh, that uh, one author said. He said it beautifully. God's mercy is new morning mercy. It is form-fitted for the needs of your day. It is sculpted to the shape of weaknesses, circumstances, and struggles of each and every one of his children. Yes, we all get the same mercy, but it doesn't come to all of us in the same size and shape. God knows who you are where you are, and what you're facing. And in the majestic combination of divine knowledge, power, and compassion, he meets you with just the right mercies for the moment. That's the goodness of God. That's the perfection of God our Father. Unlike us, uh, one size fits all, one parenting style for every kid. But our Heavenly Father is so creative, he's so wise. He gives us the things that we need at the right moment, at the right time. And so this is now the truth that we have to embrace. But then, what is the choice that God is calling us to do? After knowing God's call to us to be ambassadors, to make disciples, and after hearing his promise that he is with us, what would be our choice? What would you do starting today And I pray that you'd consider these things. The first is calm yourself by remembering who God is. Calm yourself by remembering who God is. One of the best things that you can do for your children is not something that you do for them, but first, you do for yourself. And what is that? It's to remember the one who sent you as ambassador. You see, parenting and being a father, again, is a high calling and a challenging task. And it's quite tempting to give up easily. But what would help you carry on is to remember who God is. Ang ganda ng kinanta natin kanina, no? Think about His love. Think about His goodness. And that is God's invitation to us. Remember who God is because He will be the one. And knowing that will help you carry on. And who is He? God is Creator. God is sustainer, savior, sovereign king. God is all-wise and all-powerful, a good father. He is a great healer. He's merciful, he's provider, a bread of life, living water, strong refuge, faithful and true. Where are you in your life right now? Are you in the green meadows of joy and abundance that's well and good? But are you in that dark valley? Are you in that dry wilderness? If you are there, then I invite you to think of who God is. Can we show that slide again, please? Think of who God is. What is that characteristic of God that you can run to? Are you thirsty? Run to him and drink deep of his living water. Are you hungry? Let God be your bread of life. Are you afraid? Then run to him and let him be your strong refuge. Are you lacking in wisdom? Are you weak? Then let God be your wisdom and your power. Church, we need to start changing how we view God. Let not a view of God remain in our heads just to remain a belief, but let that belief be your conviction. Go deep and hold on. Dig into that reality in your heart and plant hard this truth of who God is because that is what will keep you moving on. You see, if you don't remember this practical reality, You will wrestle instead of resting. You will wrestle with your negative thoughts, your negative emotions, because the world is so challenging around us. Instead of resting, you will wrestle. And this is the reality, right? Today, it's Sunday. Yes, we talk about God is creator, savior, sustainer. God is good, all-powerful, praise God. But then tomorrow, first thing in the morning, when you wake up, when you reach your phone, or when you hear the news, you will forget. Why? Because as one author said, we have a spiritual amnesia. We easily forget who God is. We get easily distracted. The problems become bigger to us when it's right in front of us and it blocks our view of God. And we have, so we need to be intentional and to remember this practical reality. Because if not, our trouble and anxiety will be more real to us than God. And that is what happened to the people of Israel in the midst of their difficulties. God spoke through the people of Israel, through the prophet Isaiah. And this is what God said. In the middle of Israel's difficulty in exile, they lost their land, they lost their temple, they are in the foreign land. They are the minority, they're poor, they're struggling. And this is what God says to them. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all this. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Now, why did God tell his people this reality, this grand reality of who he is? It is because of this context. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. You see, in the face of their troubles and difficulties, God's people have forgotten who He is. Isn't it our our way? When we are hurting, we stoop down, we just look at what we have. So dark, our perspective is so limited. And so, in the midst of that, God is inviting them to look up and look wide. Yes, you are in trouble, but that is not the whole picture. In their trouble and difficulties, They have forgotten God. And perhaps you are in that same place. Are you tired and overwhelmed? Are you thirsty? Are you struggling with doubt or perhaps self-pity? And you complain, I'm so weak, I can't do this anymore. God does not know my situation. Or maybe you're telling yourself, yes, God knows. But God doesn't care, and just alone. Are you in that place? If you are in that place, let me encourage you, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay in dark valley, you, you don't have to stay wallowing in doubt and self-pity and fear. Because this is God's encouragement for you and me. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. Your parents, remember who God is. Return to Him. Hope again. I encourage you to memorize this verse. Write it on an index card sa I, I wrote this. I will review this again and again. Read it again and again. Meditate on it and let God's Word revive your heart. You may say, I know it already. Yes, it's good. But most likely you will forget. And so I encourage you to read it, memorize it, write it on the next card. If you're eating three times a day, review it three times a day while you're eating. You can do that. Return to who God is, remember him. And how else can we return to God? Here's the second thing. Come to Jesus, rest in him. Matthew 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit. I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for, your ro- for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice what Jesus said first, come to me. That's the invitation, come. Think about it, in Matthew 28, Jesus commissioned his disciples and said, go and make disciples. But what comes first, Matthew chapter 11 or Matthew chapter 28? What comes first is Matthew chapter 11. And here, Jesus invitation is come, come. And it tells us this reality that before Jesus tells his follower go and make disciples, Jesus first invites them to come. Why? Because our primary calling is to be with Jesus before we do something for him. Come before we go. Come before we make disciples. That's our calling. That's the heart of Godly fathering. Being comes before doing. Now, let me share with you another translation of this passage by Eugene Peterson. He beautifully wrote a paraphrase of this text in the Message Bible translation, and he said, are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the heart of godly parenting and discipleship. You see, discipleship is simply walking with Jesus and working with him. It's learning the way of Jesus as you parent your father and your children. It's being parented by God as you walk with Christ. The text says, take up my yoke and learn from me. You see in ancient times, a yoke, a double yoke is used by the farmers to train a new animal for the farming work because they will partner together an experienced animal and a new one, and they will yoke them together so that the younger animal can learn from the more experienced one. And that's the yoke that Jesus is saying. Jesus is the more experienced one, and we are the younger younger partner. And so, Jesus is inviting us to learn from him. And as we learn from him, God the Father is parenting us. But as we do that, as we rest, here's the key principle that we need to remember, that resting in Jesus it's less about stopping and more about surrender. You see, it's not just about stopping. If I, do, if I stop doing this, if I stop my responsibilities, then I will rest. It doesn't happen necessarily. Because when we stop, sometimes we are more agitated. Sometimes I, when, when I stop, I feel, am I missing something? I mean, stopping, I, I really don't know. So I, our tendency is to, to work again or, or to worry more. But real rest comes not just... Not only from stopping, but more about surrender. Where is your heart? Let your heart rest in Jesus. Remember, He is in full control, He is with you. And second, resting in Jesus does not happen automatically. It does not happen automatically. It says here, Come to me, take my yoke, learn from me. These are action words. We need to come to Jesus. We need to take his yoke. We need to learn from him. It's intentionally seeking him. So let me ask you, when was the last time you met the Lord? Before you sing the worship songs, have you worshiped God in the privacy of your own room and in your life before you worship God publicly? Before you minister, before you serve, or even before you parent your kid, do you have that sacred time with the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. Let me rest at your feet. I pray that this is something that we would commit to do. And here's the next one. As we come to Jesus, as we take his yoke, as we learn, from him, may it revive our hearts and therefore, lead us to once again, commit ourselves to the calling. You need more than being convinced, we need to be convicted. More than to be pushed, we need to be revived. And the only thing for us to be revived is to go back to Christ. He is life, he is the way. Without Him, apart from Him, we can do nothing. You see, our Christian life is like a cell phone. No? We need to be recharged every day. Yes, some of us, we can, like the brand, the newer phones, we can go on days without charging. But as the, as the phone gets older, sometimes we need to really understand that reality. We need God's recharging. Some phones, they need to be recharged morning and in the mid- midday, just to sustain it during the day. We need to do that. Just as our body needs food, maybe once a day, twice a day, thrice a day, we need the spiritual food also that Christ offers to us. And that, and that would help us to commit to our calling. Now, as we commit ourselves to our calling, you would think, yeah, Pastor, I know, but sometimes I have bus- I'm, I'm busy with my schedule. I run my business. I, I serve in ministry. I lead in work. And yes, parenting is, is nice, but sometimes it's, for me, it's not natural. It's, it's difficult. But here's the reality that we need to do, that we need to decide on. We have to set it as a goal and our priority. That's the only thing. What do you value? What's your priority? What's your goal? Some of us wants to be fit. Some of us wants to be financially well. Some of us wants to have a flourishing marriage. It's well and good. But is parenting or being a father part of your goal? For me, this is something that I need to grow into. If I would uh, score my, my my, my, if I assess in those categories, my lowest would be with the parenting or the fatherhood. And that's something that I want to grow and uh, improve on. And I hope that is something for you as well. But again, it's a matter of having that value or priority. But then the question is, who defines what's valuable? Who defines the priority? If Jesus is he's saying he's the king of kings, all authority is in him, and therefore, he's the one who should determine what's valuable, right? God is the ultimate authority and he's determined what's valuable and essential. And as followers of Christ, God wants us to prioritize and value what's important to him. And God's word is the standard that defines what is most important. Yes, money is important. Work is essential. Ministry is something good. Good. But as far as the Bible is concerned, our relationships and marriage, our children, are more valuable than achieving success or having material gain. See, we need to remember this. Who we become is more important than what we do, we get, or achieve. Who our children become is more important than what they get, do, or achieve. That is the important thing that we need to remember. And so may God help us. And now, you may say, okay, Pastor Jen, yes, I want to commit. I don't know where to start. What can I do? So let me give you a few suggestions for you to consider. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, rest in Christ, grow in your intimacy with God. Grow in your intimacy with God. Open the word of God. Let God's word, be your food daily. I personally suggest don't use your phone because if you use your phone, you will get easily distracted. You will be easily tempted to look at the other apps. For me, it still works for the, uh, the, hard, the hard copies because you can have focus. That's the first but then, you, I also invite you to consider growing and learning about godly parenting in fatherhood by investing your time and resources. Isn't it when we work, we invest time, learn about finances, accounting system, all those sales, marketing, we learn that. Either we spend for that or the company spends for us, just to be good, just to be efficient. And in the ministry, we also spend resources, how to disciple, how to evangelize, how to reach out how to connect, how to care, it takes time, effort, and resources. But how about in parenting? How much time and resources do you spend? So that is something I encourage you. Start by spending time. Read books. Invest in books and Christian, good Christian materials. This is, these are the samples of the books that I want you to consider. Tying their shoes. This is about uh, new parents having, uh, parang mag-expect pa lang sila, so, I have some friends that I, I gave them a copy of this book, either a PDF or hard one. There's also that parenting book, the one at the bottom. So uh, this book, I'm reading it with my wife. That's something that uh, you can consider. Uh, for me, I'm also reading, I'm starting reading the Abiding in God's Presence, uh, Parenting in Disability, because this was written by, a, by a, the author, her, her child as a special case. And so parenting is quite... Uh, extra challenging because of the special case of our child. But these are the things that would help us grow and learn how to become better parents, better fathers, but more importantly God-centered and gospel-centered in our approach. Now, if you are having difficulties with your uh, finances, we can also encourage you to start looking in these blogs and And uh, articles, the CCEF, Christian uh, Counseling and Educational Foundations. These are free, so we encourage you to do that. These are good topics to consider. And another website also is the Association of uh, Certified Biblical Counselors. There are good topics there. So a sample topic is Engaging Your Child's Heart, Part 1 and Part 2, Parenting Angry Teens, Counseling Teens from Proverbs. So the point is, spend time, grow in the knowledge and the grace of God, spend time learning, develop your skill in godly parenting. You see, it takes more than the heart. You need to let your hands also know what to do. We need not just the truth, but we need to apply the truth and apply God's truth in our parenting and discipleship. And what else? Two more. Connect with a God-centered community. An African proverb tells us, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I don't know how long you are in your journey, in your parenting, but you need to consider this. And for me, this is a reminder. Yes, sometimes we want to be efficient, but if we do it, fast. If I do it alone, I won't go that far. But this is a reminder for me, I need to go together with the coaches that I'm learning from, from the books, of course with God's help, but also with God's people. And I encourage you to be part of not just a church community on a Sunday, but also on a weekday through life groups or join our family ministry activities. And maga advance plugging ako, if you may, you know. Next year, please pray, uh, our youth and our kids, we will have a VBS or or youth camp, Lord willing. We are planning for that. So please pray for for us. And what's my appeal to you, dear parents? Our our family ministries, they're working so hard. All our ministries are working together, working so hard to help you so that our youth, our children would be part of this community. And so I invite you to consider uh, carving out Time and be intentional in letting your kids join in, during Sundays or during these special events, in the camps, either with the youth or the singles or the kids. And let's work together. We cannot do this alone. We, are pastors, us as pastors and a church, we are just limited. We can only offer to you the time and the schedule. But if you won't let your kids join, then "W diba so let's do this together. Let's go far. Let's do this together. And God is with us. And Lord willing, He will enable our family, our kids to flourish. And then finally, continue to be faithful and leave the results to God. You see, parenting our kids is a slow and a lifelong process. And fathering and discipling our children will take time. It will be messy. It will be difficult. It's like Being in a war zone for a long time, you will have battle scars, you will have challenges, but then remember that God is with you. God has given us his word, God has given us his his spirit, and God has given us his people. These are the three resources that God richly provided us with. And so I pray, do your part, Start where you are, be consistent, remain faithful, start strong. And if you need more help or information, I invite you to approach us or any of our pastors, and we would love to journey with you. Now, whether you're parenting biological kids or parenting or fathering spiritual children, continue to be faithful and leave the results to God. It's like planting a tree till the soil. Plant the seedlings, water it, remove the weeds, and do your part also. Let's pray for our children. Let's bring them to church. When we are disappointed with them, let's forgive. Let's go to God and be recharged. Let's do it again. And by God's grace, God will help us grow. God will help our children grow and establish the work of our hands for his glory, for the good of our children. Dear church, let's remember these things. Out of these things, what is it that you want to commit yourself to? Calm yourself by remembering who God is. Come to Jesus and rest in him. Commit to your calling. Connect with a God-centered community. Continue to be faithful and leave the results to God. Always remember that the heart of godly fathering begins with resting in Jesus' promise that he is with us. And the rest in Jesus is to walk with him and work with him as we parent and disciple our children. May God bless us all. At this point, I invite you to spend time in a moment of silence and reflective prayer. Let God's word go deep in our hearts and tell the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to learn? Let's use this time and pray. You can also reflect on these questions. And I invite you also to take a photo of this and uh, later in your own time, family time, share with each other, talk to someone, write on your journal, and let God's spirit work in your hearts and make that commitment that today Lord, I want to be a father, I want to be a parent that is faithful in making disciples.